0: Book eighteen, chapter nine of the Antiquities of the Jews, volume four. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Nicola K. The Antiquities of the Jews, volume four, by Flavius Josephus. Translated by William Whiston, book 18, chapter 9. What befell the Jews that were in Babylon on occasion of Asenevs and Analevs, two brethren? A very sad calamity now befell the Jews that were in Mesopotamia, and especially those that dwelt in Babylonia. Inferior it was to none of the calamities which had gone before and came together with a great slaughter of them, and that greater than any upon record before, concerning all which I shall speak accurately, and shall explain the occasions whence these miseries came upon them. There was a city of Babylonia called Nirda, not only a very populous one, but one that had a good and a large territory about it, and besides its other advantages full of men also, it was besides not easily to be assaulted by enemies from the river euphrates encompassing it all round and from the walls that were built about it there was also the city nisibis situate on the same current of the river for which reason the jews depending on the natural strength of these places deposited in them that half shekel which every one by the custom of our country offers unto god as well as they did other things devoted to him for they made use of these cities as a treasury whence at a proper time they were transmitted to jerusalem and many ten thousand men undertook the carriage of those donations out of fear of the ravages of the parthians to whom the babylonians were then subject now there were two men asenevs and analevs of the city nirda by birth and brethren to one another they were destitute of a father and their mother put them to learn the art of weaving curtains it not being esteemed disgrace among them for men to be weavers of cloth now he that taught them that art and was set over them complained that they came too late to their work and punished them with stripes but they took this just punishment as an affront and carried off all the weapons which were kept in that house which were not a few and went into a certain place where it was a partition of the rivers and was a place naturally very fit for the feeding of cattle and for preserving such fruits as were usually laid up against winter the poorest sort of the young men also resorted to them whom they armed with the weapons they had gotten and became their captains and nothing hindered them from being their leaders into mischief for as soon as they were become invincible and had built them a citadel they sent to such as fed cattle and ordered them to pay them so much tribute out of them as might be sufficient for their maintenance proposing also that they would be their friends if they would submit to them and that they would defend them from all their other enemies on every side but that they would kill the cattle of those that refused to obey them so they hearkened to their proposals for they could do nothing else and sent them as many sheep as were required of them whereby their forces grew greater and they became lords over all they pleased because they marched suddenly and did them a mischief insomuch that everybody who had to do with them chose to pay them respect and they became formidable to such as came to assault them till the report about them came to the ears of the king of parthia himself but when the governor of Babylonia understood this, and had a mind to put a stop to them before they grew greater and before greater mischiefs should arise from them, he got together as great an army as he could, both of Parthians and Babylonians, and marched against them, thinking to attack them and destroy them, before anyone should carry them the news that he had got an army together. He then encamped at a lake and lay still, but on the next day it was the sabbath which is among the jews a day of rest from all sorts of work he supposed that the enemy would not dare to fight him thereon but that he would take them and carry them away prisoners without fighting he therefore proceeded gradually and thought to fall upon them on the sudden now astinevs was sitting with the rest and their weapons lay by them upon which he said sirs i hear a neighing of horses not of such as are feeding but such as have men on their backs i also hear such a noise of their bridles that i am afraid that some enemies are coming upon us to encompass us round however let somebody go to look about and make report of what reality there is in the present state of things and may what i have said prove a false alarm and when he had said this some of them went out to spy out what was the matter and they came again immediately and said to him that neither hast thou been mistaken in telling us what our enemies were doing nor will those enemies permit us to be injurious to people any longer we are caught by their intrigues like brute beasts and there is a large body of cavalry marching upon us while we are destitute of hands to defend ourselves withal because we are restrained from doing it by the prohibition of our law which obliges us to rest on this day But Asiuvs did not by any means agree with the opinion of his spy as to what was to be done, but thought it more agreeable to the law to pluck up their spirits in this necessity they were fallen into, and break their law by avenging themselves, although they should die in the action than by doing nothing to please their enemies in submitting to be slain by them. Accordingly he took up his weapons, and infused courage into those that were with him to act as courageously as himself. So they fell upon their enemies, and slew a great many of them, because they despised them, and came as to a certain victory, and put the rest to flight. But when the news of this fight came to the king of Parthia, he was surprised at the boldness of these brethren, and was desirous to see them, and speak with them. He therefore sent the most trusty of all his guards to say thus to them, that king artabanus although he had been unjustly treated by you who have made an attempt against his government yet hath he more regard to your courageous behavior than to the anger he bears to you and hath sent me to give you his right hand and security and he permits you to come to him safely and without any violence upon the road and he wants to have you address yourselves to him as friends without meaning any guile or deceit to you he also promises to make you presents and to pay you those respects which will make an addition of his power to your courage and therefore be of advantage to you yet did asinevs himself put off his journey thither but sent his brother Analev's with all such presents as he could procure so he went and was admitted to the king's presence. and when artabanus saw Analev's coming alone he inquired into the reason why Asenevs avoided to come along with him and when he understood that he was afraid and stayed by the lake he took an oath by the gods of his country that he would do them no harm if they came to him upon the assurances he gave them and gave him his right hand this is of the greatest force there with all these barbarians and affords a firm security to those who converse with them for none of them will deceive you when once they have given you their right hands nor will any one doubt of their fidelity when that is once given even though they were before suspected of injustice when artabanus had done this he sent away Analevs to persuade his brother to come to him now this the king did because he wanted to curb his own governors of provinces by the courage of these jewish brethren lest they should make a league with them for they were ready for a revolt and were disposed to rebel had they been sent on an expedition against them he was also afraid lest when he was engaged in a war in order to subdue those governors of provinces that had revolted the party of asenefs and those in babylonia should be augmented and either make war upon him when they should hear of that revolt or if they should be disappointed in that case they would not fail of doing further mischief to him When the king had these intentions, he sent away Analevs, and Analevs prevailed on his brother to come to the king, when he had related to him the king's good will, and the oath that he had taken. Accordingly, they made haste to go to Artabanus, who received them when they were come with pleasure, and admired Asenev's courage in the actions he had done, and this because he was a little man to see to, and at first sight appeared contemptible also, and such as one might deem a person of no value at all. He also said to his friends how, upon the comparison, he showed his soul to be in all respects superior to his body, and when, as they were drinking together, he once showed Asinebs to Abdegasis, one of the generals of his army, and told him his name, and described the great courage he was of in war, and Abdegasis had desired leave to kill him and thereby to inflict on him a punishment for those injuries he had done to the parthian government the king replied i will never give thee leave to kill a man who hath depended on my faith especially not after i have sent him my right hand and endeavored to gain his belief by oaths made by the gods but if thou be a truly warlike man thou standest not in need of my perjury go thou then and avenge the parthian government attack this man when he is returned back and conquer him by the forces that are under thy command without my privity hereupon the king called for asenevs and said to him it is time for thee o thou young man to return home and not provoke the indignation of my generals in this place any further lest they attempt to murder thee and that without my approbation i commit to thee the country of babylonia in trust that it may by thy care be preserved free from robbers and from other mischiefs i have kept my faith inviolable to thee and that not in trifling affairs but in those that concerned thy safety and do therefore deserve thou shouldst be kind to me When he had said this, and given Asanev's some presents, he sent him away immediately, who, when he was come home, built fortresses, and became great in a little time, and managed things with such courage and success as no other person that had no higher a beginning ever did before him. Those Parthian governors also who were sent that way paid him great respect, and the honor that was paid him by the Babylonians seemed to them too small, and beneath his deserts, although he were in no small dignity and power there. Nay, indeed, all the affairs of Mesopotamia depended upon him, and he more and more flourished in this happy condition of his for fifteen years. But as their affairs were in so flourishing a state, there sprang up a calamity among them on the following occasion when once they had deviated from that course of virtue whereby they had gained so great power, they affronted and transgressed the laws of their forefathers, and fell under the dominion of their lusts and pleasures. A certain Parthian, who came as general of an army into those parts, had a wife following him, who had a vast reputation for other accomplishments, and particularly was admired above all other women for her beauty. Analevs, the brother of Vasenevs, either heard of that her beauty from others, or perhaps saw her himself also, and so became at once her lover and her enemy, partly because he could not hope to enjoy this woman but by obtaining power over her as a captive, and partly because he thought he could not conquer his inclinations for her. As soon, therefore, as her husband had been declared an enemy to them, and was fallen in the battle, the widow of the deceased was married to this her lover." However, this woman did not come into their house without producing great misfortunes, both to Anilevs himself and to Asinevs also, but brought great mischiefs upon them on the occasion following. Since she was led away captive upon the death of her husband, she concealed the images of those gods which were their country gods, common to her husband and to herself now it was the custom of that country for all to have the idols they worship in their own houses and to carry them along with them when they go into a foreign land agreeable to which custom of theirs she carried her idols with her now at first she performed her worship to them privately but when she was become analev's married wife she worshipped them in her accustomed manner and with the same appointed ceremonies which she used in her former husband's days upon which their most esteemed friends blamed him at first that he did not act after the manner of the hebrews nor perform what was agreeable to their laws in marrying a foreign wife and one that transgressed the accurate appointments of their sacrifices and religious ceremonies that he ought to consider lest by allowing himself in many pleasures of the body he might lose his principality on account of the beauty of a wife and that high authority which by god's blessing he had arrived at but when they prevailed not at all upon him he slew one of them for whom he had the greatest respect because of the liberty he took with him who when he was dying out of regard to the laws imprecated a punishment upon his murderer analev's and upon asenev's also and that all their companions might come to a like end from their enemies upon the two first as principal actors of this wickedness and upon the rest as those would not assist him when he suffered in the defence of their laws now these latter were sorely grieved yet did they tolerate these doings because they remembered that they had arrived at their present happy state by no other means than their fortitude but when they also heard of the worship of those gods whom the parthians adore they thought the injury that Analev's offered to their laws was to be borne no longer and a great number of them came to asanevs and loudly complained of Analev's, and told him that it had been well that he had of himself seen what was advantageous to them but that however it was now high time to correct what had been done amiss before the crime that had been committed proved the ruin of himself and all the rest of them They added that the marriage of this woman was made without their consent, and without a regard to their old laws, and that the worship which this woman paid to her gods was a reproach to the god whom they worshipped. Now Asineus was sensible of his brother's offence, that it had been already the cause of great mischiefs, and would be so for the time to come yet did he tolerate the same from the good-will he had to so near a relation and for giving it to him on account that his brother was quite overborne by his wicked inclinations but as more and more still came about him every day and the clamors about it became greater he at length spake to analeves about these clamors reproving him for his former actions and desiring him for the future to leave them off and send the woman back to her relations but nothing was gained by these reproofs for as the woman perceived what a tumult was made among the people on her account and was afraid for anileves lest he should come to any harm for his love to her she infused poison into aseneb's food and thereby took him off and was now secure of prevailing when her lover was to be judge of what should be done about her so anileves took the government upon himself alone and led his army against the villages of mithridates who was a man of principal authority in parthia and had married king Artabanus's daughter he also plundered them and among that prey was found much money and many slaves as also a great number of sheep and many other things which when gained make men's condition happy now when mithridates who was there at this time heard that his villages were taken he was very much displeased to find that analeves had first begun to injure him and to affront him in his present dignity when he had not offered any injury to him beforehand and he got together the greatest body of horsemen he was able and those out of that number which were of an age fit for war and came to fight and when he was arrived at a certain village of his own he lay still there as intending to fight him on the day following because it was the sabbath the day on which the jews rest and when Anileus was informed of this by a syrian stranger of another village who not only gave him an exact account of other circumstances but told him where mithridates would have a feast he took his supper at a proper time and marched by night with an intent of falling upon the parthians while they were unapprised what they should do so he fell upon them about the fourth watch of the night and some of them he slew while they were asleep and others he put to flight and took Mithridates alive and set him naked upon an ass which among the parthians is esteemed the greatest reproach possible and when he had brought him into a wood with such a resolution and his friends desired him to kill mithridates he soon told them his own mind to the contrary and said that it was not right to kill a man who was of one of the principal families among the parthians and greatly honored with matching into the royal family that so far as they had hitherto gone was tolerable for although they had injured mithridates yet if they preserved his life this benefit would be remembered by him to the advantage of those that gave it him but that if he were once put to death the king would not be at rest till he had made a great slaughter of the jews that dwelt at babylon to whose safety we ought to have a regard both on account of our relation to them and because if any misfortune befall us we have no other place to retire to since he hath gotten the flower of their youth under him by this thought and this speech of his maiden council, he persuaded them to act accordingly. So Mithridates was let go. But when he was got away, his wife reproached him, that although he was son-in-law to the king, he neglected to avenge himself on those that had injured him, while he took no care about it, but was contented to have been made a captive by the Jews, and to have escaped them. AND SHE BID HIM EITHER TO GO BACK LIKE A MAN OF COURAGE, OR ELSE SHE SWEAR BY THE GODS OF THEIR ROYAL FAMILY THAT SHE WOULD CERTAINLY DISSOLVE HER MARRIAGE WITH HIM upon which, partly because he could not bear the daily trouble of her taunts, and partly because he was afraid of her insolence, lest she should in earnest dissolve their marriage, he unwillingly and against his inclinations got together again as great an army as he could, and marched along with them, as himself thinking it a thing not to be borne any longer, that he, a Parthian, should owe his preservation to the Jews when they had been too hard for him in the war, But as soon as Anileus understood that Mithridates was marching with a great army against him, he thought it too ignominious a thing to tarry about the lakes, and not to take the first opportunity of meeting his enemies, and he hoped to have the same success, and to beat their enemies as they did before, as also he ventured boldly upon the like attempts. Accordingly he led out his army, and a great many more joined themselves to that army." in order to betake themselves to plunder the people and in order to terrify the enemy again by their numbers but when they had marched ninety furlongs while the road had been through dry and sandy places and about the midst of the day they were become very thirsty and mithridates appeared and fell upon them as they were in distress for want of water on which account and on account of the time of day they were not able to bear their weapons so Analevs and his men were put to an ignominious rout while men in despair were to attack those that were fresh and in good plight so a great slaughter was made and many ten thousand men fell now Analevs and all that stood firm about him ran away as fast as they were able into a wood and afforded mithridates the pleasure of having gained a great victory over them but there now came into analev's a conflux of bad men who regarded their own lives very little if they might but gain some present ease insomuch that they by thus coming to him compensated the multitude of those that perished in the fight yet were not these men like to those that fell because they were rash and unexercised in war however with these he came upon the villages of the babylonians and a mighty devastation of all things was made there by the injuries that Analevs did them so the babylonians and those that had already been in the war sent to nirda to the jews there and demanded anileves but although they did not agree to their demands for if they had been willing to deliver him up it was not in their power so to do yet did they desire to make peace with them to which the other replied that they also wanted to settle conditions of peace with them and sent men together with the babylonians who discoursed with anileves about them but the babylonians upon taking a view of his situation and having learned where Analevs and his men lay fell secretly upon them as they were drunk and fallen asleep and slew all that they caught of them without any fear and killed Analevs himself also The Babylonians were now freed from Analev's heavy incursions, which had been a great restraint to the effects of that hatred they bore to the Jews, for they were almost always at variance by reason of the contrariety of their laws, and which party soever grew boldest before the other they assaulted the other, and at this time in particular it was that upon the ruin of Analev's party the Babylonians attacked the Jews, which made those Jews so vehemently to resent the injuries they received from the Babylonians that being neither able to fight them nor bearing to live with them, they went to Seleucia, the principal city of those parts, which was built by Seleucus Nicator. It was inhabited by many of the Macedonians, but by more of the Grecians. Not a few of the Syrians also dwelt there, and thither did the Jews fly and lived there five years without any misfortunes. But on the sixth year, a pestilence came upon these at Babylon, which occasioned new removals of men's habitations out of that city. And because they came to Seleucia, it happened that a still heavier calamity came upon them on that account, which I am going to relate immediately. Now the way of living of the people of Seleucia, which were Greeks and Syrians, was commonly quarrelsome and full of discords, though the Greeks were too hard for the Syrians, when therefore the jews were come thither and dwelt among them there arose a sedition and the syrians were too hard for the other by the assistance of the jews who are men that despise dangers and very ready to fight upon any occasion now when the greeks had the worst in this sedition and saw that they had but one way of recovering their former authority and that was if they could prevent the agreement between the jews and the syrians they every one discoursed with such of the syrians as were formerly their acquaintance and promised they would be at peace and friendship with them accordingly they gladly agreed so to do and when this was done by the principal men of both nations They soon agreed to a reconciliation, and when they were so agreed, they both knew that the great design of such their union would be their common hatred to the Jews. Accordingly, they fell upon them and slew about fifty thousand of them. Nay, the Jews were all destroyed, excepting a few who escaped, either by the compassion which their friends or neighbors afforded them, in order to let them fly away. These retired to Ctesiphon, a Grecian city, and situate near to Seleucia where the king of Parthia lives in winter every year, and where the greatest part of his riches are reposited. But the Jews had here no certain settlement, those of Seleucia having little concern for the king's honor. Now the whole nation of the Jews were in fear both of the Babylonians and of the Seleucians, because all the Syrians that live in those places agreed with the Seleucians in the war against the Jews. So the most of them gathered themselves together, and went to Nirda and Nisibis, and obtained security there by the strength of those cities, besides which their inhabitants, who were a great many, were all warlike men. And this was the state of the Jews at this time in Babylonia. End of Book 18, Chapter 9 End of Book 18 Recording by Nicola